Hey, I want to I want to share something with you today as a um, a basis for discussion. Boston College's Jeff Macor learned how to use the left field wall like Wade Boggs used to, knocking home a couple of runs in a 12-1 win over Northeastern. They they beat us twice already this year, so I mean they put a pretty bad beating on us last week, but came back. We've been playing good ball lately, so it went well. Despite the loss, it was Northeastern's Ben Beck who may have left with the longest lasting memory. It was certainly the longest. I feel like I got a good piece of it, so I want to watch for a little while. You know, I guess every kid around here in this entire area dreams about hitting one out at Fenway. Is that pretty much your feeling? It's been my dream for my whole life. Who's that guy? In the, in the yearbook, that's what I really wanted to do, and I got a chance to do it last year, and it's nice to do it again. Mike Dowling, SportsCenter 5. Um, long time ago. So the background of that is um, where I went to school at Northeastern University. Why, the reason I picked that school actually, uh, and I was going there to, to with the intention of playing football and baseball. Um, I had learned very late in my high school years uh, as I was looking at schools that um, Northeastern, um, unbeknownst to me, plays two games a year at Fenway Park. Like literally the literally like growing up i mean that was close to a mecca for me as as uh as there could be and i guess i'll, I'll go tell the quick story is that i was i was driving down to the boston area with a high school buddy of mine um to to visit a few schools in that area bu and such and and i saw the lights on over at fenway park and as we were coming over the tobin bridge and I'm like, oh, wow, I knew BU didn't have baseball, so I wasn't going to go to BU anyway. I'm like, geez, you know, it'd be cool to go to somewhere that's really close to Fenway Park. And then, so I went in and talked to the, to the baseball coach at Northeastern, which really wasn't even on my list, and learned from him that, um, oh, yeah, every two years, there's actually um, a, a tournament. It's really popular in hockey, actually, because the Bean Pot Tournament every year in college hockey is a really big deal. And I didn't know about that, but there's actually what I didn't know also was there was a bean pot for baseball and we got to play in, you know, if you played at Northeastern or Harvard or BC or any of those, you have to play two games every season at Fenway Park. When I heard that, I made my decision right away. I was going to, uh, I was going to uh, um, play there. And then you saw in the video, I got the opportunity to hit a home run over the green monster, which, was actually the uh, the you know in the high school yearbook you had you write your ambition in life. It was actually my ambition was to hit one over the green monster at Fenway Park, not having any idea that I would have the opportunity to do so. It was a pretty um anyway, that's not the story. And that's not the point behind showing that video. So it, it you know, with with everything that's going on in the market today over the past year or so in all of these not to shine a light necessarily on what's going on today but all of these like uncomfortable corrections um frequent corrections that we go through over time it actually you know this year has actually reminded me of my experience back then because leading up to that point and that season 
uh, leading up to that at bat uh, at Fenway Park, I was having the worst, worst experience playing baseball I've ever had. I ever had in my career. So at that point, it was about probably halfway through the season or pretty close. And I was to put a word on how I felt as an athlete, as a player, I felt paralyzed. And the reason I felt paralyzed was I was just having such a terrible season. Nothing was going right for me at the plate. Um, and there's like a saying in baseball, like when things are going well as a hitter, you know, there's a, there's a saying in baseball, like, oh, everything, and it kind of feels that way too, when things are going well, everything, every pitch that comes at you looks like a beach ball, right? If you can conjure up the image of a beach ball and with the conceptually like, oh, wow, much easier to hit like a beach ball coming at you than a little baseball. You know, when things are going well, everything looks easy. Everything feels easy a lot of the case, a lot of the times. And when things are going poorly, uh, and I would say extremely poorly, at that point of the season, for me, the baseball looks tiny coming at you. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. And every time you step up to the plate, you have this feeling of like panic. It's like, you know, three strikes and you're out, right? You get up there, you have at least three swings. Yet when you're in periods of time where you're really struggling, even the first pitch in, you know, in your mind, you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm already down two strikes when you're not. This period of time and the corrections that we go through in the markets just reminded me of this time because all the pressure that we put on ourselves, all the, the proclivity to panic, as I'm explaining in terms of having just a terrible season, but I was, I was absolutely leading up to that, the worst performing hitter on the team at that point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But then it was just one hit, happened to be at Fenway Park, and over the green monster that changed everything for that season. And then from that point forward, I, I have to look back at the stats, but, but at least in my mind, um, somewhere close to over the next seven games, I think I hit nine home runs. Mm -hmm. And it changed the trajectory of the season from that point on. And I went on to um, do really, really well overall in the season. And it also changed the way I felt and it changed the way I approached those future at bats. And it taught me um, a lot actually about, um, you know, all this pressure that we put on ourselves, but all these external, all these external forces that we perceive as threats and we perceive as failure that can impact decision-making to the point where I'm going up to the plate, you know, leading up to there and the games leading up to there where I've already failed in my mind and I have to do something dramatically different to change that. And the truth of the matter is that's not the case. Truth of the matter is, however paralyzed I felt at that point, however like panic mode I was in, you just keep stepping up to the plate, you get your pitch eventually, and one pitch and one good day can change everything. And it, it just taught me without knowing it at that point, obviously, but, you know, experiencing all of the 
downturns and the corrections, and the negative news media and everything that comes along with investing, putting myself in, in I'm an investor personally, obviously, and, and I, we invest money and, and plan for, for all of our clients really puts me in those shoes and say, geez, you know, during time periods like this, it feels like, you know, some days you see the markets down or, you know, you check your statements. It feels like you're paralyzed. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do, but I feel like I have to do something different, maybe dramatically different. Um, and, and that's just not the case. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you as a, um, um, and, and, um, share that as, you know, what was going through my head, you know, recently, I'm like, geez, you know, a lot of similarities here in, in terms of what, what I can see is what, how people feel when they feel like they're out of control. And when it comes to finance, that's a really emotional topic. Right. And so she's, wow. Yeah. I love seeing that baby face. I had never seen this video. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. But I think, you know, the thing that, that I think about as I'm listening to you is, um, we're so like hardwired, especially in this society to be like perfect. Like everything has to be perfect all the time, you know? So mm. this, when things don't quite go our way, even though you and I know that this is cyclical, what mm. we're going through, um, it just feels like, um, like there's something there, surely there's something that I must do differently in order to mm. make it so, right? As opposed to just surrendering to it's just the way it is. I'm on a ride and right now we're in the dip. Now we're then we're going to be up on the, you know, mm. we're going to crest. Yeah. Yeah. Cyc cyclical. That, that's a great word because that not only describes how the markets are in the short term, right? You know, they're very, they're very cyclical. There's not, there's not an, an, an immense amount of predictability in mm. terms of the short term, right? The, the markets are very unpredictable in the short term, good or bad. Um, and over time, as we've talked about, you know, that, that lack of predictability as every day melts away, that lack of predictability actually falls in terms of what great companies in terms of the prices, the stock price in your portfolio eventually grow to as a factor of, of what they earn over time. And that does converge, substantially converge uh, over, over longer periods of time. So I, I would submit there's a tremendous amount of predictability in the long term, virtually zero in the short term. So mm -hmm. the, in, in the markets, they're, they're volatile. They're always searching you know, back and forth for things and very similar to a, a, a hitter in baseball. You know, there's very, very few hitters over time that are just like this the entire year. You know, it's very much if you map out the the ups and downs of the stock market over the course of a year, let's say you have a good year as a hitter, but even though you have a good year as a hitter each day, you know, you go, you get three hits one day, you get no hits and strike out three times the next day. And it's very up and down. And some hitters are more volatile than others, despite what they may end up overall, how they might end up performing in the overall season. And it's just interesting to me, the similarities of how I remember feeling at the plate back then and how we can make uh, a lot of connections to how we all as human beings feel when we have our hard-earned money invested 
and we're going through these short-term cyclical periods and we feel like in some days there's nothing that we can do to make it right. But what it is to make it right, I think, is continually just stepping back in that batter's box and not just going and sitting in the dugout for a while. Yeah. Well, because it's easy to pick up your story. It does the point where you go, well, then, you know, I hit it and everything changed for me. Like it could, it's easy to fall into the trap of saying, oh, that kid back, he just had some miracle. Like a miracle happened for him on that one day. It was yeah. amazing thing. And then he, uh, he developed the confidence to going. What they don't know is how long have you been playing baseball? Yeah. How old were you when you started? Oh boy. Yeah. Can't remember. It's as long as I can remember. So, okay. you know, I, you know, let's call it four years old in terms of the first time I'm going to bat my yeah. hand. Yeah. yeah. And very yeah. few people carry it through to, to college and you actually sure. carried it through to beyond college. So right. you played. Right. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. And and yeah, it's easy to say, oh, there was this, 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 this milestone, this miracle, as you said, in time to say, Oh my God. Well, that's just, that's just something that doesn't happen. Well, in, in fact, I wasn't doing anything differently. Yes. And, and, but there was a, there was a point where I, I, I can remember like, all right, things are going poorly. I've just got to um, sacrifice. I've got to, to uh, uh, um, just, just let myself go devote myself to like believing in the process. I'm, I'm there. There is the process that got me here, which is, quality repetitions and you know that not every day goes your way but if you continue on that and that process you have a strategy you're showing up at the batting cage despite what might happen that next game um it's not correlated on the day-to-day but as you move forward as i move forward as a player you have these time periods where okay things start to click and it's very cyclical like that and you have to believe in you have to be an optimist and you don't you don't have success as an athlete or an investor or anything in life, in my opinion, from approaching things with a negative defeatist attitude. Certainly, we all go through bad times in, in any aspect of our lives, but the requirement in terms of having the long-term success in any part of our lives, whether it's relationships or finance or, or sports or whatever, is that is that looking to the future with a sense of optimism, right? Things get better. I'm, I'm, I, God, this sucks to be in this slump, you know, for the first half of the season. And everybody's like saying how bad of a hitter Ben Beck is and believing in, uh, I don't know why I'm going through this. I know that I'm showing up at practice every day. I know I'm putting in the repetitions. You just have to have that, that confidence that the strategy that you have implemented and put in place over and over and over again, which has worked in the past before substantially, will continue to work in the future, despite these short-term you know, happenings, whether it's a half a season of just really dull, terrible performance. Um, the future is needs to be looked at as a, as a bright spark. You're looking at the future with optimism. Hmm. Love it. Hmm. I just, um, you know, it's not what, what I, what I think of as I listen to you is, um, the word that comes to me is perspective. Like when I'm looking at something with such a narrow focus, I can't really see what's going on to the left and right. 
And as I step back from it, I see that, um, you know, there's a whole lot of possibility. It's when we widen the aperture, like in, in photography, and we can see yeah. so much more. Um, and that that provides possibility, you know, so mm. for anything to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, it's a great analogy. I'm like, in my mind, you know, I was actually, as you before you even described, it, I was thinking about you know, taking a picture and where the focus is, it's right, very narrow. But if you widen that out and you see the beautiful mountains behind the person or this and that, and what what's possible out there, um, I think that it's, you know, we're all, to, to bring it back to finance for a moment, I think we're all, we're certainly all human beings, meaning we're all hardwired to be emotional. And during times of struggle, it's very easy to fall, you know, these pitfalls of this, this negative negativity, which is all around us, right? I mean, the, the financial media, as we've talked widely about, um, is- well, That's how they make their money. <laughs> yeah, yeah ra rarely, rarely talking about positive things, right? Um, 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 you know, talking about all the threats that are out there. Oh my gosh, the world's ending tomorrow. What are you doing about it? Well, you know, and all these different things. And I, I think it's, really easy to fall into the trap of focusing on oh my gosh and yeah during these times of struggle i think you're right i think that the focus just just from an emotional standpoint just narrows all the way down to what did the market do yesterday or oh my gosh look at my last statement you know it's a lot lower than it was you know a year ago um you know this can't be you know um and realistically and why we talk so much about the importance of planning as a, a broad concept, but a more focused concept of working with our clients to really identify, really identify what it is, not only what it is that we're striving for, they're striving for in terms of goals and objectives, but what's behind that, right? What's behind that home that, that you and your spouse want to purchase when you're 65? Because a goal stated just as is, I want to buy a home in XYZ state, you know, when we're 67 or 65 or 50, whatever it is. But what's behind that? Well, you know, going a little bit deeper, yeah, I want a place when my kids are out of college and they have families. I want to have a place that I can, I can, I can visualize everybody coming together at the holidays at this great home that we have a goal to buy. And that, that that's a little deeper than just, Hey, I want to retire at age 62 and I want to buy a home here mm -hmm. and living at that. And to your point, it's like the importance of always revisiting, not necessarily what the portfolio does on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, even yearly basis. It's certainly great to check in and do a review, but making sure that when, you know, naturally when that focus tends to narrow at certain points, we bring that focus back out to the big picture, right? That mm -hmm. perspective that you're talking about. Okay, okay, what are we doing this for? We know the markets go up and down. Right. We know we're susceptible to kind of narrowing that focus during these tough times. Um, but let, let's take that focus back out to the big the big picture. And so long as we're still on track, the strategy that we have in place is on track for those big picture goals. 
um, odds are you don't have to do anything, mm. anything different. Yeah. It reminds me of that, uh, that blog that you wrote based on a story you told me um, about learning how to um, fly a helicopter and how in the beginning, like the, the tendency is to just like when you're up there, go, I mean, I'll let you tell the story, but you were saying like sure. jerking back and forwards wildly as it, but, but it's really not about that. And I think that's what happens when people like see external um, circumstances that are kind of adverse. I put that in quotes sure. and feel like they need to do something equal and opposite in reaction, right? As opposed to learning how to fly a helicopter. Yeah. So what's it like to fly a helicopter? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a... Uh... A little over a year ago, where I where I took that up and and um, uh, started to learn how to to fly in a helicopter and actually take take flying lessons and and um, yeah, that's one of the things um, um, I learned was well, first of all, straight ahead flying, which I thought was diff which I thought would be going into would be very difficult, but then hovering in place, which I thought oh, you're not moving, so <laughs> that's the easy part. Um, what I learned very quickly um, as a, a trainee pilot is it's actually the exact opposite. Um, that straight ahead flying, which actually my instructor gave me the controls right away. Literally my first time up, uh, we got up out of Norwood airport right nearby and we were flying. And once we were, were, were flying, we we're actually flying right over Gillette stadium where the Patriots play. And it's like, okay, you want to take the controls? I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. And and Pat, he handed off one by one. He handed off the the cyclic, which is the which is the the call it the joystick. It, it's what it, it what steers everything. The collective, which is which is on your lower left side, which 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 essentially, in so many words, bends the blades, so to speak, to to bring the helicopter up and down. And then the foot pedals, if there if that wasn't enough controls already, the foot pedals uh, control the rear rotor that 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 control the helicopter from oscillating left and right like this and so um but what i found was when we started to learn how to hover straight ahead flying was a cinch but keeping the helicopter in place with all those controls and the wind and all those different things the you know the joystick the cyclic is very sensitive and you don't know that without that experience and so when, you know, we're starting to learn how to hover and the instructor, my instructor hands the controls over to me. And this was my first time down in Plymouth at an airfield down in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And I think remembering his instructions were, you know, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hand them over one by one. I want you to look way ahead of you. And that as you start to anticipate or feel the helicopter side or back and forth, of course, you have to make very um, easy corrective motions to keep things in one place. And of course, to your point, bring this up, is that, okay, when you start to feel the, the, this feeling of being out of control, right? Here you are in place, and then all of a sudden the helicopter starts to move one thing. Instead of, of course, reacting very calmly and, and cautiously and just moving, you know, you tend to overcorrect. And so what happens then is that you go too hard in the opposite direction because you think you're correcting it properly, but you're really overcorrecting. And so then the helicopter really starts to swing a little bit more violently each time in the opposite direction. And so what happens then is like, oh my gosh, I overcorrected. Then you go back in the opposite direction. And, and very quickly, you, it's literally like a pendulum effect. I mean, it's literally like a roller coaster, like 
I grew up going to Old Orchard Beach, um, mm-hmm. and they have a, 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 I think it was called Palace Playland down there. And <laughs> featured rides was the pirate ship. The pirate yeah. ship's a common, right? And it's a pendulum, right? And that's the ride. He Everybody gets in and then starts swinging a little by little. And all of a sudden, the, the pinnacle of the ride is when it's it's going up and coming up. That is exactly what it's like. Um, 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 that that feeling of learning how to hover a helicopter for the for when you're when you're training and it is an unbelievably uncomfortable feeling then you learn what the instructor's point is in terms of it is really minute and and anticipating that we're going to be going through some some bumps you know some oscillations left and right and that you don't have to and you can't throw the instructions out the window. You literally have to continue to follow these repetitions of very, very little inputs and not overcorrecting your strategy, so to speak. Hmm. And, you know, through multiple times revisiting, hovering, all of a sudden you start to feel it internally. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, even if the wind is all over the place and everything, you start to feel and then you start to anticipate and and feel these tougher and stuff the helicopter starts to be, oh no it's all right i don't have to throw everything out the window it's just a minor little adjustment here a minor adjustment here um boy was it uncomfortable the first couple of times <laughs> well i imagine this is what it feels like for folks who are yeah. seeing what's going on in the markets right it feels like being on that pirate ship sometimes and, and what you know and to a greater extent, right at in the pirate ship, you're not controlling the ride. <laughs> You've hired, yes. In this case, probably some 15 year old kid, right? <laughs> that's that's down, you know, at the at the at the base of the pirate ship that's in charge of the controls. Take <laughs> it takes your ticket as you walk in, you know, locks everybody in. Is he or she's really highly qualified, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden for the next three minutes of your life, <laughs> you're holding on for dear life. Right. Um, but no, I mean, all kidding aside, I mean, I mean, from a, from a logistical standpoint, you hire a financial advisor, a money manager, you talk about, hopefully you talk about the, the, the strategies, the, the, the goals and objectives that you have, preferably I don't want to be swinging. Yeah. Know, tremendously and uh, you know uh, wildly and often but i want to get to my destination in one place and a good financial advisor is going to tell you better said is not going to mince their words mm. say oh no, no 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 i've got the controls i'll make sure everything's comfortable in this and that that doesn't work because that's not reality the reality is what we've been going through over the past year what we've gone through many, many, many times is just that. It's not all the time. Four out of every five calendar years in the market are positive. Yet one out of every five, of course, is like the year that we're experiencing right now. And so you're not going to go on that ride because roughly 20% of the time in your investing life is going to be uncomfortable knowing that the other 80% or close to 80% is going to be the time that gets you to your to your most cherished goals, to, to be able to provide the capital later in life 
so that you have that central meeting place, that house where all your kids and maybe grandkids and everybody comes to. Um, and I, I just think our industry does a really poor job at um, making that clear. And I think a good financial advisor, as I started to say, is going to tell you just that. There's going to be times, not every day, but there's going to be times in uh, that you're going to feel like you're on that pirate ship. And know that that should be expected. Know that the strategy that we're putting in place expects that. And know that we also expect that so long as you stay on the, the ship hmm. and, and are able to ride it out emotionally and otherwise, that that allows you to experience the other, call it close to 80% of the time, that is going to provide the positive returns to get you to those goals. And that's just something that a, a good financial advisor is going to tell you right up front that this is what the ride is, but it's also the ride that's going to get you to where you need to go. Right. As opposed to, um, I'll make sure that the pirate ship is cushy and soft and cuddly. And <laughs> or we can, or we can get off at certain times. Anytime. Time yeah. to, you know, anytime, you know, um, really kind of ignoring the, you know, the fact that, Hey, when the, when the, when it, you know, the pirate ship really starts to swing, they don't shut the ride down and let people get off. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, it goes through its, its cycle and that's, what's necessary to, you know, produce the, 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 uh, the, the fruits of that, of all that, of that ride, so to speak, to that enjoyment, that later in life enjoyment, mm -hmm. that enjoyment down the road. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Good story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, this is good. It is, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, this, this, uh, you know, times like the past year or so, it, it, it conjures up for a lot of folks, it conjures up this, this, uh, emotion to, um, feel like you need to do something and then you start hearing all the talking heads and, and, and whoever it is, and it really can cause folks to question, um, you know, what they had set out to do, what had produced all of, you know, these, these, um, um, this appreciation in the past and you, you can fall victim to, oh, well, yeah, that's fine, but this time it's different. So I have to do something different. Mm -hmm. that's not the case it's the same pirate ship right different people on it you know there's somebody different that 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 you know and there's different things happening in the world so to speak um but the equation is the same yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well this is the no bond cast where we talk about pirate ships and fenway and, and helicopters <laughs> and hovering and, and finance and <laughs> finance yeah yeah so you know the no bond cast is exactly right where you where we talk about those things it's, it's exactly it epitomizes um you know what i we, we talked about a moment ago about hey well it, it is the clear unvarnished truth that i think the best financial advisors in the world are don't hold anything back in terms of, you know, providing the, the best advice. And, and, and with that best advice comes the perspective of what that road is going to look like, you know, along the way, whether you're accumulating money for retirement, whether you're already in retirement, hmm. 
and you know clearing away any misconceptions about volatility about you know all the things at least what we've faced in the past and how the economy and the markets have responded even though a day like today or yesterday it doesn't necessarily feel that way especially with everything that you hear out there but in fact you know when we're when as we look forward and or we're five years from now looking back you're like oh god you know that was uncomfortable but more often than not we, we all forget about you know to a certain extent these numerous corrections that we go through because the markets respond and they re recover and the trend line that goes up over the long term is in fact relentless it is relentless and it's a reflection of um the productive capacity of of our nation of our world and and where we're going and that's why optimism is so incredibly important is because well otherwise why would you get out of bed in the morning <laughs> i mean the the despite what's going on, the world gets better, and 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 it, the empirical evidence is there, um, um, historically. Um, so this is the no bonds cast where Ravya and myself we talk about um, you know the really what we consider the really important things that we think have the best positive impact on our clients and and on investors and on folks that um, are are seeking out the advice to, to really have a positive impact in their own financial lives and for their families. Hmm. I love it. Thank you for having me, Ben. It's always yeah. a pleasure to spend time with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Beckbody.com. You can also uh, find us on our various social media pages from um, LinkedIn to Facebook to Instagram um, and anywhere you, you um, most anywhere that you, you can listen to podcasts where they're yeah, and Relentless, the blog, BeckBody.com. See you. Awesome. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.